Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. been 25 years since I've done this. Let's see what happens. I'm scared. Shooter McGavin, this is for you. And I'm not lying to you, that is smashed. Smashed. And that went pretty well. You're dead, Shooter. <laughs> nice drive, Gilmore. 25 years, huh? Let's see if it's a uh, shooter's tour. Check it out. Oh yeah, it's all about the short game. Drive for show, putt for the dough. Money, shooter, still got it. Well, thank you to all the fans and thank you to you, Adam Sandler and uh, why don't you just meet me at the ninth green at nine, Gilmore? Little secret of the pro. Okay. Oh, and uh, Gilmore, wear something nice. Twenty-fifth <laughs> anniversary, baby. Shoota out. Hey. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It is. What the hell is this? The 21st of February, Year of the Lord, 2021. That intro was Happy Gilmore, 25 years. I'm a terrible parent. I raised my kids on that. Funny story. Uh, me and my daughter's relationship went to dog shit the moment I left her Happy Gilmore poster on the back of a room door as we moved. From South Carolina to Fort Campbell. Yeah, good times. That kind of was the end of my relationship with my daughter. Don't have one now, but yeah, that's where, that's where it all started. And that was Snowmageddon. Wow, we got some good stuff. We're still um, melting out. But not going to start with that today. I planned on it. But I think I'm just going to go with the Biden administration. Because I just got done watching the Gutfeld show. And I gotta admit, his summation of, oh, it's just hilarious. So I'm going to give the show over for 15 minutes, roughly, because uh, they had two segments on that show that I am just tickled with. And it goes back to the beginning of last show where I said, we really need more comedy. We need more comedy because this stuff's pathetic. It's sad. It's demeaning. And uh, he's doing a good job of it. Yes, this is my new hat. Uh, the patch is way too big. That's not what 
I was supposed to get, but I'm going to wear it anyway, if you can see it. There we go. Yeah. Little flyover politic, way too big. You'd have to have a gigantic trucker hat to wear this. It, it doesn't look good. But I'm going to wear it anyway, because it was free. It was some promotional company that thought I was somebody important. And he said, we'll make you a patch to give you a sample, and then we'll sell you each patch as low as $7 a piece. So I just didn't order anything. I know that's fucked up, but if you're going to offer me something free, I'm going to take something free. That's just me. I think that's all of us. So let's start the show with some comedy, because I think the takedown of the CNN coverage of Biden was done really good on Greg Gutfeld. So thanks to CNN, we learned a lot of new things about President Biden. A, he likes to build a fire in the Oval Office. B, he uses the fireplace. C, he often throws a log on, otherwise known as a John Kerry. D, he likes to read the newspaper on a plane. <laughs> this is some crazy <laughs> So what else will we hope to learn from our fearless press? That Joe puts his socks on one foot at a time, hopefully before he puts on his slippers. But in all seriousness, this is a great strategy. The more boring Joe appears, the easier it is to slip in those radical policies. It's truly the opposite of Trump, who commanded everyone's attention, so he was always scrutinized. But Joe, he just Joes along, and the media just smiles and returns to their needlepoint. Next thing you know, you got the expansion of the welfare state and trillions of dollars for cockamamie climate plans. Yes, I said cockamamie. Bleep me. But hey, everyone knows Joe likes kids better than people. Everybody knows I like kids better than people. <laughs> because as you know, kids aren't people. Meanwhile, the Lincoln Project says, you love kids more than people? Hold my Capri son. <laughs> but I guess we did learn one thing after all. Joe still makes no damn sense. We saw that on Tuesday when CNN went to town with Grandpa Joe. Tell us, Joe, was there nothing in the refrigerator? There, 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 there was nothing in, in the refrigerator, figuratively and literally speaking. Hmm, tell us more, Joe, about the grandchildren can use that online, you know? You know, my, my grandchildren can use that, that online, you know, make me look like I'm in a, you know, the 7th century. <laughs> How folksy. He's like Bill Cosby without the sweaters or the roofies. But finally, China did come up in the conversation, giving Joe an opportunity to condemn their treatment of the Uyghurs. I wonder if culturally there are different norms that each country and their leaders are expected to follow. Culturally, there are different norms that each country and they, their leaders are expected to follow. Talk about true diversity. Systemic torture, concentration camps. Yeah, that sounds weird to our American ears, but I'm sure we do stuff that seems weird to them, like not having systemic torture and concentration camps. Atrocities are balanced out by affordable basketball shoes. Maybe it's me, but this China first, America last chick is already getting kind of old. And what of poor press secretary Jen Psaki, who said that schools could reopen if they hold only one day of in-person learning a week. Joe wouldn't dare throw her under the bus and call it a mistake in communication. It was a mistake in the communication. The goal would be five days a week. Now, it's going to be harder to open up the high schools. Mm, poor Jen. She only missed it by four days. <laughs> but I guess this is all part of the processes. 
it looks like there was a conflation of two ongoing processes, uh, one that's through the courts and one that is through uh, the CFIUS uh, process that goes through the Department of Treasury. Uh, there is a rigorous CFIUS process uh, that is ongoing. I'm not going, of course, not that you're expecting me to, set a precedent of commenting on those reviews and process, uh, but would, would just stress that they are distinct processes. <laughs> that's a lot of processes. I wonder if that's her new favorite phrase. Of course, after Joe stumbled through the town hall, how did the media respond? Hmm, this sounds like a segue for a new thing we're calling... Fun Stars! Yeah. You know, the thing about Joe Biden is that he speaks in very human terms. The thing about Joe Biden is he speaks in very human terms. Uh, and, you know, these town halls are sort of if, the, if he were an Olympian, this would be his gold medal event. In classic Joe Biden, this is a forum that he has shined in because he's just a man of fundamental human decency. Can you just weigh in finally, Jim, on the humility? I mean, when he talked at the end of the town hall about like I wake up in the White House and I asked Jill, where are we? And I'm uncomfortable with them putting my suit jacket on and having all this help. I mean, what a. What a breath of fresh air. Boy, it's true, Bobby. I teared up at that. He actually cried over that town hall. Don't let that wimp near the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> He'll explode. But they're like kids, excited over mom's new boyfriend. The other one was such a jerk. But this guy, he won't make you work too hard or say mean stuff to your face. But you get the point. As long as Joe speaks in human terms, he can lie about the vaccine, lie about the minimum wage, and write off Hong Kong and the Uyghurs as a mere difference in cultural priorities. It's almost like Joe could say anything these days and get away with it. Right, Joe? Nicely done. And so it wasn't a great week for Joe, but it's hard to notice when no one really reports on it. As Joe brushes aside serious issues while enjoying the simple things of life like clouds and cottage cheese, the press will be there cataloging every moment. And each one special moment will be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yes, sliced bread. Joe really likes sliced bread. He thinks he invented it. There's your next story, CNN. I bet Chris Cuomo will report the hell out of it. Welcome to tonight's guest. He's so gorgeous, his dimples have abs and his abs have dimples. Fox and Friends weekend co-host and host of Untold Patriots Revealed. What a title. Premiering Monday on Fox Nation, Pete Exit. Well, she's so bright, chandeliers send her hate mail. Fox News headlines 24-7 reporter Carly Shimkus. And she's so sharp, a bed of nails sleeps on her. Host of Sincerely Cat on Fox Nation, Cat Tim. And the only thing bigger than his biceps is his heart. <laughs> My massive sidekick and host of Nuff Set on Fox Nation, Tyrus. Yeah, I turned it around. Yeah. That was I, so sweet. It was yeah. sweet, you know, because I missed him on Valentine's Day. Aww. So I thought I would uh, help right. him out. You know, I'm going to go to you first. Huh. Tyrus, um, <laughs> would you agree that Joe Biden is the sneakiest old white man <laughs> on the planet? Uh, is he, I mean, naturally, when I'm glad you came to me as an expert, I've been studying old white men for about five years right now. And I've, yes. I've come to some observations. Yes. They are all clever tricksters. <laughs> and when they don't know, they really know. Yes. And I think what's happening right now is Joe's having a bit of fun of us. He can fall asleep in a meeting. He can say whatever he wants. And we all say, oh, it's so cute. Yes. It's great. Forget the fact that he's. The president of the United States, and maybe you should know a, a saying like the refrigerator is full or not full or what have you, and saying things like, um, my kids know that internet. The internet's not a person, place, or thing. Mm. You know it's, 
Is it a thing? I don't know what it is. It, I, is it a thing? It's I know a way that, of life. I yes. confuse myself. I'm still caught up in the whole See what processes. Happens, you get dumbed down by the dumbness. It, it will get you. We're all dumber. It's infectious. The way, the way uh, Pete, the way Trump made us all like uh, Trumpy, Biden's making us all Bideny. Biden, he is, is, I'm surprised the one clip you didn't play was him wandering around with Jill. Maybe you used yeah. it last week with all the hearts on Valentine's Day. Oh, I loved that. Was Day. I cried. It was brilliant, right? I was right? just like that dude. In, in sort <laughs> I of wept. His, you, you wept. Yes. What did you make of the town hall? Jesus wept is my favorite verse in the Bible. The shortest <laughs> one also. Uh, what did I make of the town hall? Uh, lowest hanging fruit possible. Softball mm-hmm. questions. Very easy. Yes. And even the positive accounts of, of the town hall said, Joe Biden, who gave... Often meandering answers. Yeah. Like they couldn't, they, they can't say negative things. They just have to say sometimes a little long-winded and a right. little meandering, sort of lost, you know, where am I? They'll never admit that. They'll cover for him completely. Uh, and and we're all used to it. We know that we're sedated for the next four years. We know that's exactly what we're getting. Mm-hmm. You know, Carly, uh, I bet you like the day-to-day info. Well... <laughs> You know, to be honest, I do like to learn little details about important people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the thing that made this particular CNN article about the fireplace and the bedtime and the Valentine's Day greeting that Jill Biden wrote near a windowsill in the West Wing in 2009, all those little things that made it a little nauseating is because the media is so biased, you can see the political perspective. And, you know, President, uh, former President Trump and, and the media were like oil and water. But even when he try to do good things, they would criticize him. Like during the partial government shutdown when I think it was Clemson mm-hmm. uh, won the national championship and he had them over and then he had fast food yeah. shipped in. There were some articles that called that racist and yeah. classist. Mm-hmm. It was so, grandfatherish. It, <laughs> I, thought, it I, thought it was, I just it was thought it was a very nice thing. It was fun. And if yeah. you ask any of those players, they loved, they loved it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you brought up a very good point in the intro when you said you have to watch out because when the media stops taking politics, when they stop reporting on politicians seriously, politicians start feeling like they can get away with things. Mm-hmm. Look what's going on with Andrew Cuomo right now. Yes, I stole that uh, point from Kennedy. You know, Kat, it's it's, it's true. You know, uh, the, the more boring big government becomes, the more dangerous it is because yeah. you just stop caring. Yeah, absolutely. I think a great example, too, is remember... Everyone was lauding that beautiful moment when he was being so nice and sweet to the child that asked that question, right. saying, oh, it's very rare for kids to get really sick with coronavirus. Don't really. Everyone's like, wow, beautiful. But when Trump said those things, like, he's spreading lies and misinformation. <laughs> how dare he say what a club? It's like, oh, nobody. I never heard anybody say that. I never heard anyone brought that up. So like, oh, he's so nice. But if, if you just took the exact same text, exact same words and had Trump say that, it would have been a wall to wall scandal yep. all day on these networks and look at what's going on in schools you yeah. play that and then look schools like, are still why are they not why the, you, then also nobody connected. pressed yeah. them then yeah. why aren't the schools no. open then joe and full of zeros it's time to note the heroes in a new segment we're called hero msnbc's joe scarborough on the left there slamming the idiots on cable news channels for comparing the destruction at the capitol in january to the destruction from riots over the summer because I know they're idiots on other cable news channels that will, will say, well, you know, this mom and pop store was vandalized during the summer riots. And that's just as bad as the United States Capitol being vandalized. No, no, actually, no, no jackass. It's not. I'm not going to confuse a taco stand 
with the United States Capitol. I'm not going to confuse the selling of tacos with actually moving through a constitutional process. The selling of tacos. What a tomato-faced turd whistle. Some taco stand, you sun-baked whitehead. I think I can speak for planet Earth when I say F you, Joe Scarborough. Our runner-up, Nicole Wallace, moaning in delight over a Trump casino implosion. And I feel a little... ...ballroom, play it again. It's weird how she claims she's so over someone, yet she still can't let go. Reminds me of when I got dumped in high school. Oh, I'm so over her, I'd say, while poking pins in a voodoo doll I made from cat hair and her dis discarded clothing. <laughs> and that's our... Harley, if you or me dismiss the suffering of minority businesses as a taco stand, we would have that's our... racist. Yeah, we would be, and also we'd be on the street. We'd yeah. be out. Yeah, you know, I think this really shows the difference between um, Republicans and Democrats in terms of responses, where Republicans from the very beginning uh, condemned the riots yep. on Capitol Hill. Democrats still refuse to acknowledge the fact that the riots over the summer took place. Uh, during, uh, right before the uh, presidential election, I did a man on the street interview and I was talking to New Yorkers about how they're gonna vote and all that. And I would brought up the protests and the riots and uh, one woman looked at me with utter disgust mm -hmm. and said, that never happened. Yeah. And she is a New York. This happened in her own backyard. Right. And it wasn't hundreds of bit. But if you watch Joe Scarborough's show, which she wasn't watching Fox News, you wouldn't know that yeah. they ever happened. Yeah. It, 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 um, even when they had reporters standing in front of torched buildings, they were like, oh, mostly, mostly peaceful. peaceful. There were 150 buildings in Minneapolis alone that were destroyed. $500 million in damage, Kat. Um, and two deaths in Minneapolis alone. Um, but he's on TV. And he could just say that I, I, I'm honestly, how far removed from reality do you have to be to say something like that? Well, either that or it's calculated hypocrisy and trying to change the narrative. Right. Because, again, like Carly said, their whole thing is like what happened on January 6th. Disgusting. Wrong. I said that Greg said that you said we've all we've said that. But his whole point is that people are downplaying. I would agree that downplaying what happened January 6th would be an awful thing to do. But when you're going to say that the most, you know, most destruction, most highest insurance claims, because so much was destroyed in, you know, recorded history was uh, a couple of food stands were vandalized. You've lost all credibility at that point because a simple Google search yes. would show. It's not like this is hidden information and I had to pour over Excel spreadsheets to figure that out. It's pretty obvious. I think it's, you know, much more malicious than that because it, it, I don't know how I was in New York when that happened and we couldn't I, we were trying to walk the dog and we couldn't go there because there's broken glass everywhere everybody knows what happened if you were actually in a city at yep. that point yeah it doesn't fit the narrative though yeah nope, exactly tyrus i used to think that chris cuomo was the dumbest person on tv <laughs> and i have been proven wrong i need to apologize to him because joe scarborough is the dumbest person on tv well greg what we have here is just a simple misunderstanding <laughs> um you're not an elitist you're not a know-it-all and you don't say taco with three C's. What is that? So that, to me, I feel when someone says, would you like a taco? I should be allowed to beat the holy living <laughs> out of them for just being a jackass. This is reverse rate. I always talk about it. It's the most annoying. The right always gets the Confederate flag bearing, you know, mm -hmm. honest work for a day's beating yeah. racist. And the left gets this.
And this is 10 times more. A taco stand is not the same as my beloved capital. You weren't involved in either one. Yeah. Both are individually horrible yeah. to groups of people. Even the building that they were fawning over, falling down, that's at least 5,000 people who lost a job from that. Careers, neighborhoods, yep. impact. But let's cheer on a guy who literally will be completely unaffected. Yeah. President Trump is not like the building went down. What, what are our numbers at? Don, yeah. just quick, what's the number? Call the stuff. No, he's moved on. Yeah. And but this guy, tacos. Tacos. It's the fr it's him saying that word because that is like. Oh yeah. I'm white. Yeah. I'm using the nomenclature of yeah. of tacos just to let you guys know that like, I get it. He's doing I'm the not, exact thing. I'm he's not a Mexican, Latino, American. Yeah, but he can do that. Greg Gutfeld cannot. And he's but here's the deal. I don't want to do it. He shouldn't. Yeah, I don't want to. Of course he shouldn't. I wouldn't be on the show if he was like, Tyrus, did did you have watermelon this morning? I'd be like, catch this chair. But that's acceptable. Yeah. What, what's, it's funny, but it's sad because that's the story people are getting. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. Everything bad is on the right. Everything good is on the left. And, and, and no fallout. Uh, there won't be fallout. Uh, you know, first of all, Nicole Wallace says, have you ever called for something to the control room? Like, hey. If I'm missing a twinkle in my eye, I've already completed this podcast. And somehow, again, the audio cut, cut off. I don't know how. But it's cool. Because at least I got the lame stories out. And after this great, great Gutfeld intro, which is totally spot on about our media, maybe I'll make better arguments. So we're going to go back to the beginning. And I read, I literally did, but I'm not going to read again. Great articles are coming out about walk away from never Trump. And I think the overwhelming thing that I can say throughout this is what is killing Republicans is not Democrats. Republicans haven't put up a fight. They've done nothing. They've been fighting within themselves to rid them of Trump. And if you would walk away from that movement and go back to being a conservative, things would be a lot better. And the purpose of that article was a long diatribe about the Lincoln Project again. Because that's what it's really about. We were all told to listen to a bunch of grifters who made money to pay off their old fucking debts and were the basic McCain campaign staff who now are full-time Dems. And I think a lot of people, and I say it almost every podcast, that were the, I am a conservative, but I fucking hate Trump, so I will vote for Hitler over Trump because we need to get rid of Trump and the Trumpism and all the Trumpy people and blah 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 those Walmart fucking losers you become a liberal you need to research are you a liberal or conservative and then you fight for the side you want to fight for but if conservatives would come back to being conservative the left wouldn't have a chance this cancel culture crazy shit wouldn't have a chance. I mean, we just went through a whole election. Jake Tapper. The Chinese government is committing genocide against the Uyghurs. Right now. We know where. And the world is just sitting back and letting it happen. Disney even thanked local party Aparchiks for letting them film Mulan there. How old is that? 
That's like months ago. But they're just now finding out that it's not right-wing craziness. It's true. Not a single member of our media, American first diplomacy is over, Biden says. What was wrong with American first? And I could play the whole soundbite of Biden talking about how black people don't know how to use the internet and all that crazy shit from CNN. But as Gutfeld elaborated on, this is what Brian Seltzer came back with. And Dems and media, what's the difference? What did you notice during Biden's town hall on CNN? I noticed all the time he said sorry when he gave detailed answers to questions. I'm sorry to go on. I'm sorry to go on. He said repeatedly, especially during the second half of the broadcast. Janice Ho, he was apologizing for talking too much. He spent hours talking to everyone if he could. It's a sweet quality. And then real people. Yeah, I often noticed an often confused politician who found crassly insulted the intelligence of American blacks and Hispanics while also excusing the monstrous violence of the Chinese Communist Party. It is getting so bad that in the rest of the world, this is what you hear. I couldn't download it. U.S. President Joe. Let, let me go back and get to the beginning. Never before has the leader of the free world been so cognitively compromised. It's clear to me, at the least, that U.S. President Joe Biden is struggling with dementia, and is everybody else sees it. What does our establishment do? Facebook's ban on news in Australia is waking people up. They're banning all those videos. Once again, you you can't talk. And then the supposed news agency that did the town hall fact check President Biden made at least four false statistical claims at CNN town hall. Not going to lie, I'm a little shocked CNN would even admit this. It's two days later and CNN didn't know enough to fact check. In real time, the last POTUS was fact checked. They pulled away to fact check. They would interrupt him speaking. But we don't fact check Biden. He's still lying about the vaccines. He's lying about everything. He's just allowed to. Because he's Uncle Joe. I mean, the whole shtick of being Grandpa Joe, we really like him, he's a great guy, while he's doing the most extreme policies ever, just fucking ever? Are you serious? Are you buying that shit? Mr. Wander Around? Joe Manchin comes out against Biden OMD near a tandem. Nobody's reporting that. The whole world knows she's a fucking troll. You're handing her the treasury. What the fucking fuck? She's hateful. We got a Rush segment today. If you think Rush was hateful, you think Nira Tandon was hateful. They're able to go out and do this. This is actually Ronald Klein. Schools closed under President Trump. They will reopen under Biden. That's his little quip. 
But you said they'd be open within 100 days. Then you said it'd be just one day a week. Now we're trying to say it's going to be five days a week. But we all know that's not going to happen because you're beholden to the fucking unions. And the unions don't want to ever go back to work until everything's gone. Because they wrote wills and shit. The Babylon Libby sums up the Biden administration perfectly. To save time, the Babylon B will now just republish everything Biden says like the rest of the media. I mean, here are stuff from the media. Kaylee McKinney, there were no vaccines. That's a fucking lie. Glenn Kessler, WAPO. It was a variable stumble, a typical Biden gaffe, as he had already mentioned 50 million doses being available when he took office. Ex-Trump officials should especially cool the outrage meters, as it just looks silly. No, what looks silly is you won't fact-check them. Like you did Trump. This was an article this week in the Washington Post. Remember, when Trump became prime president, they changed all their fucking headers and got new slogans. And there was Democracy Dies in the Dark. Jacqueline Alemany. Scrunchies and a dog walking. The country gets a taste of Jill Biden's radical normalcy. Power up. Scrunchies and dog walking. The country gets a taste of Joe Biden, Jill Biden's radical normalcy. That's the header. Here's the article. The new first lady, Jill Biden, made news last week for wearing a scrunchie. Biden stopped at a black-owned bakery, the Sweet Lobby, on Friday to pick up some Valentine treats for the weekend, she tweeted. Sporting floral earrings, a pink coat, a black mask, and carrying her own bags of treats and baked goods, it was Biden's scrunchie that really lit up the internet. Leave it to a scrunchie to capture the zeitgeist of President Biden's promise to return to normalcy. A stark departure from a I-really-don't-care message sent by Trump. I couple things on that. The last first lady was a fashion model, and you all said she dressed in fucking potato sacks. Most Americans don't even know who owns the place you're going to. I don't care if it's a three-dicked Martian. If it's got a good fucking donut, I will eat that three-dick Martian's fucking donut. I don't fucking care, because I don't know who owns it. I don't know if they're gay. I don't know if they're conservative. I don't know if they're fucking Nazi. I don't really fucking give two shits. I buy products based on whether it's good. I don't go to Starbucks, because it's not good. I, when they were doing most of their political shit, I was still going to Starbucks. People were boycotting it. I wasn't. The coffee was good. But then I, all of a sudden, the coffee wasn't good for my stomach anymore. So I stopped going. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. But the whole story was to get the black owned in because she does care. Dr. Biden looks at people as classifications and demographics. She's a shallow fucking human being who wants to be called doctor even though she's not. And I can say that because you pretty much prop her up like she's part of the presidency. Melania had nightmare Christmases, but I never heard her running her goddamn cock trap. I hear Jill Biden more than I help Biden because Jill Biden doesn't stutter. And while we're doing this scrunchie 
The new immigration bill introduced by the House and Senate Democrats will bring back illegal aliens deported during the Trump administration and give them citizenship. None of them COVID checked. Checked? No, we're not going to check that shit. Why do we fucking check that shit? Why? You and I, we need a fucking passport. We can't go anywhere. Simultaneously, while all this shit's going on, Judge Legum alerts us to clubhouse chat. So basically what's happened now is there's a new chat room. It's an audio chat room. And within it, you can say whatever you want. Not like Twitter. Not like Facebook. Not like Parler until it came back up. You know, you can actually have free speech. Something we don't want in this country. Because free speech is misinformation. It's not what we deem you can say. So this douche nozzle goes to it. Listening to a large clubhouse room where a speaker was talking about how horrible it was that members of Congress called the Capitol riot white supremacist violence. Everyone agreed with him. No one seemed to be aware that an avowed white supremacist have been in charge. Listening to this conversation is pretty clear to me that Clubhouse is successful in part because you say dumb stuff and it's hard to be held accountable for it. David here say, nothing fascists hate more than unfettered conversation. That was twi- trending on Twitter. Unfettered conversation. You can't have unfettered conversation. Well, why would we? I mean, un- why would we let people just fucking speak? Yeah, that would be horrible. Just horrible for people just to speak. That's what y'all voted for. And then you voted for this type of hate. He also paved the path for a Donald Trump presidency. A combination of showmanship, Uh, bombast, uh, gleefulness, and at times bigotry and prejudice. A pioneer of conservative media and a deeply polarizing figure, Rush Limbaugh became the most prominent political radio host in modern American history. Fans, known as Ditto Heads, cheered his brazen style, while critics blasted him for racist, sexist, and other offensive speech. He accused actor Michael J. Fox of exaggerating his Parkinson's symptoms. He is moving all around and shaking, and it's purely an act. Women must decide their fates. And he insulted a college student who advocated for access to birth control. It makes her a slut, right? Makes her a prostitute. After sponsors dropped his show, Limbaugh apologized for that one. I again sincerely apologize to Ms. Fluke for using those two words to describe her. In 2003, his stint as an NFL commentator on ESPN lasted only four weeks. He resigned in the face of public outcry after suggesting that Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb was overrated because of his race. The media has been very desirous that a black quarterback do well. But Limbaugh's popularity survived all the controversies as well as his own personal struggles. In 2001, he suffered hearing loss from an autoimmune disease. Two years later, he admitted a drug problem. I am addicted to prescription pain medication. Limbaugh was arrested for doctor shopping in 2006, but went to rehab and the charge was dropped. Through it all, he remained a hero to the right, defending Republicans from what he said was the biased liberal media. A conservative media icon 
whose legacy will always symbolize division. Conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh died of lung cancer yesterday at the age of 70. Limbaugh was both polarizing and influential, paving the way for the kind of politics that eventually got Donald Trump elected. Chief White House correspondent Jonathan Carl has a closer look at his life and legacy. From his perch at a radio station in Sacramento in the 1980s, Rush Limbaugh invented modern right-wing talk radio. Members of Congress are our employees. It's not the other way around. Spawning an army of bombastic imitators, many of whom now dominate cable television. The right-wing media universe that helped fuel Donald Trump's rise started with Rush Limbaugh. He gave conservatism a home. He gave the conservative movement in America basically mainstream status. He was that influential in changing the nature of how politics is expressed. He boasted of fighting liberals with half his brain tied behind his back and built a massive audience, 20 million at the peak of his popularity. This is not retail politics as it's always been. He derided feminists as feminazis and made disparaging comments about AIDS patients and the LGBTQ community. His brief career as an ESPN analyst came to an abrupt end when he said NFL quarterback Donovan McNabb was overrated because he's black. The media has been very desirous that a black quarterback do well. And when Barack Obama became a national political figure, Limbaugh was among those promoting the racist myth that Obama Obama had not proved he's an American citizen. During the 2016 presidential campaign, Limbaugh did not support Trump until almost all of the other Republican candidates were defeated. And even then, he said Trump's not a true conservative. Can somebody point to me the conservative on the ballot? <laughs> what do you mean, Russia? Are you admitting Trump's not a conservative? Damn right I am. What am I? But Limbaugh became a fervent Trump supporter. And early last year, the day after Limbaugh told his listeners he had advanced lung cancer, Trump gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom, dramatically awarding it during his State of the Union address. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. News of Rush Limbaugh's death divided the political world almost as much as his radio show did. But Republicans of all stripes paid tribute. Former President George W. Bush said, quote, while he was brash and at times controversial and always opinionated, he spoke his mind as a voice of millions of Americans. And Sean Hannity said last night, quote, there is no talk radio as we know it without Rush Limbaugh. It just doesn't exist. And then Hannity added that he would also argue that without Limbaugh, quote, in many ways, there is no Fox News. And on that, even many of Limbaugh. For me, he just normalized um, hatred. He normalized uh, racism. And, you know, I, I think he really weaponized white male grievance. Um, and, and, you know, he sort of uh, hardened these like rural white listeners, people, you know, sitting in their trucks and in, in the middle of America and in the South and, you know, li listening to Rush Limbaugh. And um, I think he paved the way for political extremism uh, and pushed baseless claims. He was the beginning of conspiracy theories. He was like the predecessor to the Alex Joneses. A lot of the things we're seeing that we don't like now, he in a sense kind of bastardized the party in a way, um, because I know there are conservative ideals that Sonny was referencing and, and, and we're, you know, many of us are saying, please speak up and, and represent those because I don't like to even think of him as representing Republicans or conservatives. He, he represents very extreme views. I have a 
visceral reaction to so many of his words, but the first thing that ran through my head when I saw the news was, now it's judgment day. At the end of our lives, it's just us answering for everything we did, who we were, what we said, and how we treated people. And so now, judgment day. But Operation Chaos had contributed to the polarization of American politics, and more importantly, the idea of injecting chaos and sexism, manipulation, racism, and dirty tricks directly into the artery of the Republican Party, bloodying people up rather than faking compassionate conservatism and trying to get crossover votes, that ultimately would become the defining feature of Republican politics. Rush ultimately got his way. Rush Limbaugh reached millions of listeners via his golden microphone with his shows airing in small stations out in rural America that even Fox News couldn't reach, hardening rural white listeners and weaponizing white male grievance. And what I heard was a guy who took white Americans out there in the hinterlands and, and fed them a narrative of you're the victim. No, 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 you're the victim. Don't feel like there's any privileges coming to you. You're the victim. The brown people, the black people, the women, the feminazis, they're taking it from you. They're taking things from you. And it kept people so hyped, hyper and amped up that he then was able to turn that into politics. So, I mean, it's a little bit painful, you know, talking about it on the day that he dies, but I've been working on a piece for in his newspaper, where in which I argue that right now we are all living in the world that Rush Limbaugh made in his own image, when you think about what he did uh, and the influence he had, he was an entertainer. He was not a deep thinker. He was not a thought leader. But he shaped so much of the way the right wing transformed itself uh, over the last few years. Um, he popularized what, what uh, you know, he popularized conservative ideas, but he also plays a very central role in the derangement of it. So his legacy is a conservative movement that is, in fact, more dishonest, more open to dishonesty, uh, crueler, dumber than it was before. Role model in the way that you could twist truth, the way that you could use insults and ad hominem attacks instead of actually dealing with ideas. Because, you know, the bottom line, dirty secret about Rush Limbaugh is he was utterly uninterested in ideas. He was much more, he was much more interested in the kind of smash mouth, own the liberals politics that Donald Trump was so good at. And he was also really one of the pioneers in convincing conservatives to look the other way about wise and conspiracy theories. So it is a dark legacy. And I have to say that one of the real tragedies here, because it's a human tragedy, is that even when he was confronted with his own mortality, he saved the worst for the last. Some of the things that he did in the last six months of his life were among the most indefensible things he ever did. And right. I mean, you know, Dana, he called, um, you know, the Affordable Care Act, you know, secret reparations and, and racialized something that had no no racial undertone to it, other than it definitely lifted people of color on average, you know, more because black and brown people had less health care, right? But he racialized it and he got white Americans to hate the affordable carrots. He called President Obama Barack the Magic Negro and used his black sidekick as a cover to be able to do like that kind of outright racist stuff. I mean, I, I, if any person other than Donald Trump would have been president, it would have been him because he basically was president for the last four years. There's a reason that Rush Limbaugh got the presidential medal of freedom from Donald Trump. Without Rush Limbaugh, there's no Donald Trump. Uh, I wrote a book, Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot and Other Observations in 1995. Uh, Rush was an incredibly effective broadcaster. He was the first in uh, to 
understand when the Fairness Doctrine went away in 1987 to how to exploit that. And he had a listenership of, of 20 million people. He uh, spewed lies. And uh, after him, there was Fox. And I wrote a book about that, too. And after that, uh, the Internet and, you know, Breitbart and Newsmax and now social media. And because of that, we have two universes of information. We just were talking about it a moment ago, but reaction is pouring in to the news that uh, Rush Limbaugh has died. The talk show host dominated right-wing radio for over 30 years, building a devoted following of millions of listeners. He held huge power and sway over Republicans in Congress and over several administrations, promoting his allies while insulting his political enemies and average people alike, many times in deeply offensive. Tim, I saved this for you, and I feel a little... Um, well, I don't feel bad playing it. Let, let me play this. This is the implosion of a Trump property. There it goes. Is that a metaphor, Tim? Are we done? Is the Trump? This is Trump and already ushered in. Are we done? Is it imploding? Uh, I'm just bathing in this for a second. Right? Nicole, can we play it again? I, it. I never, I never say stuff like this, but control room. Can we play it again? And Rush Limbaugh is that person. I mean, there are huge radio conservatives in the mold of Rush Limbaugh or were influenced by Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin. But there are in every city in America uh, conservative hosts who are very big in their region but couldn't step into his shoes nationally. You know, I knew Rush for decades. Sometimes we tangled. Sometimes uh, I interviewed him. And he did more than create the conservative talk radio industry. I mean, when he went national in the 80s and early 90s, there was no real Internet. There was no or Facebook, there was a hunger among conservatives or some kind of media alternative. And if he mentioned you on his show and it was unfavorable, happened to me a couple of times, your voicemail would explode with people who had no idea who you are <laughs> calling in to repeat what he said. Yeah. Can you imagine if they had Twitter back then? <laughs> it would have been terrible. Yeah. Speaking of Twitter and terrible, I mean, clearly there's been a lot of very touching tributes to Rush Limbaugh, but there's also been a lot of vitriol out there in social media my Twitter was full of it yesterday. I found it disgusting, and I know that you got some thoughts about it. The ghoulish glee, John, that some on the left have displayed since Rush Limbaugh died is just reprehensible. I never understand why some twisted people feel it's perfectly okay uh, to applaud when someone, even someone they fundamentally disagree with, passes away. It makes them look small and mean and petty now. It's fine for detractors to criticize aspects of Limbaugh's career. Um, he thrived on controversy. He mm -hmm. bashed the Democrats and he bashed uh, liberals and he was always denouncing the drive-by media. And he made mistakes, the addiction to painkillers, for example, and he sometimes mm -hmm. used language like feminazis and going after his target that was offensive to many people. It's fine to point that out. We don't have to whitewash somebody's career, but that's very different from celebrating their passing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's... You can disagree with somebody, but, you know, can we keep the level of discourse on a respectable level? That's, I'm wondering you know, if that I'm wondering if social media really has destroyed that entire aspect of, of dialogue in this country. Well, social media bears a lot of blame, particularly places like Twitter that don't require you to use your real name. And also bearing blame are people who, um, you know, engage in this sort of thing. It's almost like a kind of a sickness in our society that everything has to be reduced to online hatred. Now, I don't think anything uh, along those lines should detract uh, for what Limbaugh accomplished. Again, you know, he was controversial. He was divisive. That's reflected in some of the coverage. But the main thing is 
The deep impact of Verschlin, in my view, was that his he took politics and ideology and turned it into entertainment for the masses, and that spawned a whole lot of imitators. A lot of cable news hosts, including some on the left, adopted mm -hmm. that style. A lot of politicians adopted that style. Some radio talk show hosts ran successfully for Congress. And in some ways, Rush Limbaugh paved the way for Donald Trump, who, of course, became a huge fan and in the last year of his life gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Do you, are you surprised? that This is your media, New York Times archives. Mao Zedong died on this day in 76. The Times said he began as an obscure peasant and died as one of history's greatest revolutionary figure. Rush Limbaugh, who built talk radio into right-wing attack machine, dies. That's just number one. Here, here's just a litany of what they have printed. Fidel Castro, revolutionary, defied U.S., dies at 90. Atola Khomeini, 89, the unwavering Iranian spiritual leader, dead. Hugo Chavez, a polarizing figure who led a movement. Yasser Arafat, father and leader of Palestinian nationalism, dies at 75. Dinesh D'Souza, from Yale faculty member, Scott Shapiro. I wouldn't say I was happy that Rush Limbaugh died. It's more like euphoria. Rotten hell, media mock bigoted a-hole and terrible person Rush Limbaugh after his death. New York Times continues coverage of Rush. To virtually all conservatives born in 1960, Rush Limbaugh was a seminal figure. Ben Shapiro, that's your one positive. I think we should speak honestly of the dead, and in many cases this means speaking ill. But the pitch of that ill speak needs to be screechy, Frank Bruni. Rush Limbaugh, political legacy, feels like the result of an unfortunate encounter between the 80s young Republican and an attempting monkey paw. Rush Limbaugh was the right wing's misogynist idea. ID writes Jill Filipovic. Here's another journo. National security experts told me the Republican Party is functioning like a terror cell. One said, "If they were in Afghanistan, he would have hit. We would have hit them either with a raid or a bomb." Pam Keith says. Yamichi Alcinder, we. Pay her bill. Rush Limbaugh, who became one of the nation's most popular conservative radio talk show hosts and who is often criticized by many as being both a racist and a misogynist, died today at 70. Rest in piss trends as compassionate taller liberals dance on Limbaugh's grave. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's normal. This is what we do. This is what we do. I mean, their own base is losing their shit because they haven't got their $2,000. And their, your whole campaign was, if you vote for Ostoff and Warnock, you're going to get your goddamn 2000 which is really 1400 So suck it, bitches. Just in, House Dems have introduced a bill to ban twice to impeach presidents from burial at Arlington National Cemetery. And federal funds from going to building displaying their names are acknowledging their achievement. The bill is called the No Glory for Hate Act, H.R. 484. That's who they are. That's who they always are. That's who they'll always be. They fucking 
hates you. And once again, I never listened to Rush. John Gibson is why I do a podcast. John Gibson was my hero. I paid for his podcast long after his podcast went off the air, and it was really lame. And then I just stopped paying the $3 a month because I never listened to it. But that's why I podcast. He was funny. He made the points. He wasn't hateful. He didn't hate people like I do. He was a great guy. Yeah, I'm wearing my Operation COVID Clusterfuck shirt my sister got me. She's from Denver. They sold these in Denver. Wow. But the point being is, they hate him not because he's a misogynist racist. They hate him because they gave conservatives a place to go and have an opinion and have a voice and have somebody speaking for them. It's the same thing why they hated Trump. All the principal conservatives hated Trump, but you know what? Get over it. The fact of the matter is, Trump was speaking to people like me. The media is garbage. They are the enemy of free speech. They're pushing for censorship more than Google is. Going to chat rooms. Worried about what people are saying. What the fuck? And then you get this incident. GOP Congressman Boebert has a bunch of guns. Okay, she has a cross rifle and a pistol. It was a hearing for gun control. So she was doing this to the Dems. It became unsafe gun storage. She has children. She's a horrible mother. She's a school shooter, just like my buddy said to me. I'm a tower shooter, I guess. Response from a liberal in a hearing decided to display menstrual products on the bookshelf behind me. She put a fucking tampons. Tampons. And all week, every news article, Trump Plaza Hotel, you saw it, blows up. They they were wet over it. They were just wet. And all the while, we have stories. NBC and CNN, they paid for the BLM guy to go rush the Capitol. They knew it was happening. They sponsored it. But I'm a moon bat because I realize it's just not mega people that were doing it. They 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 were they were down with this. They needed it. They needed a Capitol riot because they were gonna lose Trump. Trump's been a boon for them to get their democratic policies. And then you got this stuttering idiot doing the most extreme shit that he doesn't even know what the fuck he's signing. He does have dementia. That's not mean. That's just a reality. The motherfucker's old as dirt. And then you get Ben Rhodes. This is their party. The quotes from Obama Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes need to be seen to be believed. It's straight from Representative Omar's playbook. You have this incredibly organized pro-Israel community that's very accustomed to having access in the White House and Congress and the State Department. It's kind of taken as granted as given that that's going to be the way things are done. I get so sick of hearing Palestinians never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. But when do we give them one? Maybe the view is Jewish 
Jews have been screwed throughout history by a corrupt, cruel world. And so you know what? We just have to be corrupt and cruel ourselves. That's the only way to survive in the world. The media interest is dramatically intensified, and that's both a very aggressive kind of pro-Lucid media in the United States, and it's also just the mainstream media that delight in Israel controversies. Ben Rhodes is Jewish, an articulated belief that are very common among left-of-center Jews, Michelle Goldberg tries to defend. Other people, that's an indictment, not a defense. If you ever wondered why Obama was the least successful president on Israel and Palestinian conflict, since Gerald Ford, read this thread. This is who Ben Rhodes is, and has always been. A continued stain on the Obama administration legacy that his deplorable propagandists had such an influential role in foreign policy. Anyone who believes the U.S. media at large is pro-Israel is not only a bigot, but also an ignorant buffoon. The guy drove a bus. A fucking bus. And then you get PPFA. It's all here. They put out their report. I should have had this up already. They did the proportionality again because they get away with saying that all the people walk through the door. So actually abortion is only 2% of what they do. 2% even though it's the big money driver and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. They all know it. There's nobody who doesn't know that you make your money by chopping up babies. So you can put all these other statisticals. Reverse contraceptive clients, 1,837,950. I don't even know what the fuck that is. But I do know they did 585,003 emergency contraceptive kits. That's the morning after pill that you and I pay for, even though it's against the Hyde Amendment. But fuck it. Why would we follow the law? And they did 354,871 abortions. So once again, we finance with $650 million of our tax dollars Planned Parenthood to kill a million babies. And that's what you get with Obama. Or Biden. Whatever. What's the fucking difference? We're just living in the third term. And on top of it, you get this great Tucker segment, which literally shows, while he's stammering and they're not fact-checking, they're indoctrinating every facet of your life and fascistly controlling everything you can say and read. And then I'll do a brief... Cuomo bump. First segment on it. I taught my class shortly after Hillary Clinton gave her concession speech. And for right. many students, particularly for young women, um, it was something to, to, a glass ceiling to break, to aspire to have a woman um, as president of the United States. And so I don't think it's about, as you were saying, being hysterical, but it's about processing and having a space to make sense of what happened and to well, have a discussion. Said- I, I, I get it, but it's also about having safe spaces. And at the University of Michigan Law School, where adults have presumably attend, and I'm quoting now, post-election self-care and food and play. So this included Play-Doh and Legos, a safe space for people to go to, you know, feel, I don't know what. And that is kind of the question to you. What is a safe space exactly? Well, 
in my opinion, the role of higher education is to foster debate, but also to be cognizant of um, students that are coming to our campuses from many different backgrounds. But the role of the university in practical terms is not to foster the debate, it's to squelch it. And so people who disagree are crushed and people who agree with the herd are elevated. I mean, there's no, is there really a debate? Do you know a single DePaul university professor who voted for Trump and said so out loud? Do you know one? You know what? I do not talk about my personal political leanings but with you, my colleagues. You know, you know as well as I that there isn't any at all. The whole idea of diversity is that the airless room produces bad decisions. We need people from different walks of life who have different points of view in order to make wise decisions. I think that's the underlying justification for it. And yet in academia, there's virtually no one who disagrees from the liberal orthodoxy. Boy, that was only 40 years ago and already it seems in antique. People who disagree with each other talking through their disagreement, that doesn't happen anymore. And of course, the curricula at so many schools has taken a much harder edge since that time from the extreme left wing to the outright totalitarian. Now, we've spent the last several years telling you about what's happening at the level of higher education in colleges and universities. Tonight, we wanna to take you through what's happening in high schools and elementary schools all across the country. We're gonna to start tonight in Buffalo. Schools in Buffalo now have what they call an Office of Culturally and Linguistically Responsive Initiatives. The Buffalo School District's first days of school lesson plan explicitly gets political in very specific terms. Do black lives matter in America, it begins. And then by the end, it declares at the end of the lesson, quote, students will be able to understand the need for the Black Lives Matter movement. Here you have a school district explicitly endorsing a political movement. And that's for little kids. By the time they hit the fifth grade, students in Buffalo are reading advanced BLM studies. Students learn about BLM's core platform. And that includes, quote, disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure destroying the family that's endorsed by Buffalo schools. At the end of the program, students are asked this, quote, what do you think about our society being organized into separate nuclear family units? The implication, of course, is that it's immoral. Your own family is immoral. And that's just the beginning. Buffalo Public Schools go on to suggest that George Washington, the man who founded this country, was a fraud, that Colin Kaepernick is a moral hero, and that we shouldn't celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Thanksgiving. We have no right to give thanks for a country that isn't ours. By the time they hit high school, students in Buffalo are ready to go out into the world to destroy buildings and statues. That's what they're being trained for. They're asked this explicitly, quote, why would someone engaging in rioting be protected under the First Amendment? Okay. So this is everywhere, by the way. We don't mean to single out Buffalo. It's happening in middle schools all over the country. They're celebrating something called Black Lives Matter Week of Action. Again, Black Lives Matter is a political party. And yet schools are endorsing it and its specific aims. Cities that are doing this include Seattle, Portland, Oregon, Los Angeles, the second largest city in the country, Chicago, the third largest, Milwaukee, Boston, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Baltimore, we could go on. The lesson plan requires children to, quote, examine the ways the Black Panther Party successfully functioned to preserve the values of black families and villages, end quote. The Black Panther Party, racial separatists with a history of murdering people. But of course, that's not included. This is rewriting history, including recent history that all of us are very familiar with. They're lying about it already. Look at the image on the screen. This is from a third grade class in the Fairfield Susan Unified School District in California. The comparison suggests that police respond only to BLM riots. Of course, that's a lie, but kids are being taught that. 
They're being taught more broadly that the police are the problem. They're the ones who commit violence. Look at this drawing. It was posted on an online photo album about D.C. public schools' Black Lives Matter at school week of action. How young was the kid who was forced to draw a police officer shooting and killing someone? This is Khmer Rouge propaganda. It's not education. But again, that's just the beginning. Schools have eliminated biology. They're teaching children biology isn't real. How can you teach something that is fake? So they're not. One of the guiding principles of the Black Lives Matter at schools curriculum, of course, is to be, quote, transgender affirming. So they have no choice. Out with biology, in with BLM. Here's how one pre-kindergarten teacher in a New York public school teaching described this principle. Quote, everybody has the right to choose their own gender by listening to their own heart and mind. Everyone gets to choose if they are a boy or a girl or both or neither or something else. And no one gets to choose for them. So science isn't real. Again, this is being taught to children in schools in lieu of actual science. This is religion. This is insanity. This is also required. Parents could fight back, and in some rare cases they have. In November of 2019, for example, this show highlighted a teacher training program from Corwin called, quote, Deep Equity. The point of Deep Equity is to produce real school improvement for equity and social justice, end quote. In other words, not to teach children facts, but to brainwash them. According to Deep Equity, the point is to adopt a, quote, transformationalist white identity where, quote, white folks are attempting to come to terms with race in a real way and question the systemic issues that have caused whites to be in a much superior position. In schools, they're teaching this race hate. Teachers are given white allies agenda items, quote, see race, listen to and learn from people of color, acknowledge the reality of racism, acknowledge the reality of white racial privilege, transcend guilt, educate other white people, Confront racist behaviors, attitudes, and practices. Use your privilege to work for racial and social justice, end quote. Again, we're going to look back at this and see it for what it was, race hate. But deep equity has been used all over the country, even in places that probably didn't want it. In zip codes, it voted overwhelmingly for the Republican president. Fauquier County, Virginia, for example, voted for Donald Trump by 25 points in 2016. But of course, deep equity is part of that county's teacher training. Have parents done much? Apparently they haven't. They may not know what's happening. Deep equity was also used in Chandler, Arizona. The program, according to the school district there, cost $418,156 to implement, almost half a million. But after we featured deep equity on this show, parents in Chandler stood up and objected to it, thank God, and deep equity was ended there. This is happening all over the country. In school districts, your kids may attend and you may not know about it. What can we do about it? What effect is it having on our children, on the society? Heather McDonald is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute and the author of Diversity Delusion. We're happy to have her on tonight to assess what we're seeing. Heather, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. So it, this is being taught everywhere. Almost nobody is saying anything about it. The passiveness of the population kind of defies belief. But I'm wondering what you think the long-term effect of it is. It's civilizational crushing, spirit killing, and the long-term effect is to try and get the elites in this country to discard any remaining shred of meritocracy. The first obligation of education, Tucker, is to be true. The Black Lives Matter narrative right. is based on lies. It is a lie that racism defines the shape 
of American society today. Far more complex factors than racism lie behind socioeconomic and racial disparities. Factors like family breakdown, culture, attitudes towards academic achievement, and criminal involvement. Far from being racist, every American mainstream institution today gives preferences to blacks and Hispanics in hiring. So Americans should reject the Black Lives Matter narrative and they should sure reject it in education uh, where it is going to divide this country further and destroy any possibility of further civilizational advance. It's baffling to me that the last administration's Civil Rights Division, Department of Justice allowed this stuff to continue when it's so clearly an unvarnished, undisguised racial attack, singling people out by the race and attacking them hard to believe we're allowing that in this country. If your kids are in a school district like this, how do you respond to it? Well, there's a great asymmetry in our public discourse. Uh, the, the Black Lives Matter Biden narrative uh, is allowed to denigrate, I'm going to use the term, and this is very hot button, Tucker, but I'm going to use the term whites. Uh, it, is, it is explicitly, as you say, anti-white. Uh, and one is allowed to pile on whites. Biden's inaugural address spoke about the enduring, growing racial inequities in this country, white supremacy. Uh, but you're not allowed to notice that and say that what is resulting from this is going to be a race war. What we need are philanthropists that have some vision, that have some courage to give parents a way out. Not everybody can homeschool. We need a set of impregnable institutions that have made as their defining principle the rejection of racial victimology and the ability to teach students to be proud of their heritage because it is worthy of that pride. I got to say, I share your instincts. It's crazy. Get out. But the public schools were designed in part to unite the country. It's a shared experience that every kid has. And that's where we pass on our civic religion, love of country, our shared values. And so if normal people or people who have the means get out, you really do have a permanently divided country. Isn't our goal unity? I mean, I, I, that's what I want the goal to be anyway. Well, you've got to try persuasion, but if that doesn't work, uh, you've got to use exit, but certainly. And what it's right. going to take again, the fundamental idea that is driving virtually all our politics today is that racism defines everything you see about American society. We need to be courageous and come up with alternative explanations that are difficult to articulate, uh, but they must be said, because as long as bias remains the only allowable explanation for disparities, the left wins. Yeah, I kind of like the Martin Luther King goal, which was colorblind meritocracy. How hard would it be to return to that? very hard uh you yeah. know but of course all these elites do expect that their doctors are going to be chosen based on merit that their engineers that build bridges are based on merit but i can tell you tucker that is a weak assumption it is something you can no longer count right. on even the trump administration allowed these the poison of identity politics to go into its stem funding the biden administration it's going to be hellacious one's imagination cannot possibly fathom how much single colorblind standards of merit and achievement are going to be shredded under the Biden administration. We have yeah. to speak back at this. I hope none of their kids get into Princeton anymore. I mean that. I hope they all go to community college. Um, it's just bad. Because you're right. This is the ruling class protecting itself. There's no doubt. Heather McDonald, I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Tucker. 
Uh, anyone in this country is aware of the discussion over the nursing home situation in New York. Out front now, Democratic Assemblyman Ron Kim uh, back with me. Assemblyman, I know, um, look, this has been an issue you've cared a lot about for a long time, and I'll get to that. You and I talked about it back last summer. But please tell me about this call with the governor. You know, good to see you, Aaron. Uh, this happened last Thursday evening around 8 o'clock after news broke that his top aide, um, his top aide had um, lied about uh, hiding data uh, information from the federal government for political reasons. She, met, she admitted to that in a private meeting and it was exposed. And the governor called uh, for about 10 minutes. It seemed like one hour berating, yelling and threatening that I have to issue a statement um, to that, that invalidated what I heard. Um, he asked me to lie to cover up uh, for his staff. And this was done in front of my family. Now he called me. My wife was next, right next to me. I was you know, right about to bathe my kids, um, and it really just put, you know, my family and my and my wife um, into shock uh, and trauma for many hours, and she couldn't get any sleep that night. Um, and it's highly inappropriate, you know, for the governor to have. So he done said. That. He and, said. You know, he said he can destroy you. I mean, he literally said that. And, and what else? He said, I haven't seen his anger, I haven't seen his wrath, and he will, um, you know, just tell me, uh, he, he will go out, and he's been biting his tongue, but he will go out tomorrow and destroy my political career, uh, my, you know, everything. Like, he would say how bad of a person I am to everyone in public, um, but it was just a yelling, and at one point, he, he said, and they asked me if I was a lawyer. Um, and I said, no. And I said, you obviously then don't understand what you heard. And this is what you heard. And this is what you're going to say. This is what you're going to write tonight and and issue a statement. Not tomorrow, tonight. That's how we will move forward. Uh, those wow. are his words. Um, okay. And, yeah. No, so. I mean, I, it's, look, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning. I mean, so let me just give everyone a chance to understand. As you know, uh, they're pushing back on this. Cuomo's senior advisor just put out a statement tonight, Assemblyman Kim, and it says in part, Mr. Kim is lying about his conversation with Governor Cuomo Thursday night. I know because I was one of the three other people in the room when the phone call occurred, obviously on the governor's side. At no time did anyone threaten to, quote, destroy anyone with their, quote, wrath, nor engage in a cover-up. That's beyond the pale and is unfortunately part of a years-long pattern of lies by Mr. Kim and against this administration. And then they put out a rush transcript of comments you made during the Zoom call with Cuomo's aide. They say they don't align with what you're saying now. What's your response to them? They're calling you a liar. Well, I think Governor Cuomo is very good at implicating... Um, his aides, and he's been trying to implicate me. Uh, they did implicate us in that private meeting when his secretary, Melissa DeRosa, admitted to obstruction of justice, of hiding uh, information in fear that it would be weaponized against the administration, in fear that we will go back and legislate and repeal legal immunity, the stuff that you and I have been talking about for months now, yeah. in fear that we would undo all the policies. That that's why they cover up the data. And she admitted it. She said, you want the truth? This is the truth. And she said that she hid that information. That was what the governor did. And because I called out, because I refused to lie for them, now they get to threaten my 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 career, my wife, and made my wife, you know, in tears all night. My wife, you know, you know, that night was very, very uh, troubling because 
we couldn't sleep. And, and she's telling me, well, what did you do to us? Stop what you're doing, please. Um, she was, she, she feared, uh, for, for, for my future, for my life. Um, that's the kind of shock, um, that this governor gave to my family and, 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 and his administration, um, should be, should be apologizing to me right away. Um, not uh, spinning and distracting us from getting to the truth. Assemblyman Kim, I appreciate your time. And I want everyone to know it is true. You have cared about this issue about nursing homes. You were on the show in May. In May, he was on the show talking about this very issue. Thanks very much to you. And I want everyone to know we did invite Governor Cuomo and his senior advisor onto the show to discuss this tonight. They declined. Prioritize is one thing. And I think there's wide agreement. They should be prioritized. And why not? Is it necessary? though. That's the question. It really is a yes, no question. Well, John, I think the real question, frankly, if I can be frank here, is what you're getting to is, is it safe for kids to go back to school? And the president and vice actually president... not. In this case, that's not the question. The question is, is it safe for teachers to go back to school? And that's, and, that, that's a very specific question in this case. And again, I'm not sure. I don't understand why it's a hard question to answer. It may be that you want every teacher to be vaccinated. It may be the answer is, yeah, teachers should, if they can, be vaccinated before they return to school. But it's not necessary. Well, John, I think the president has been clear. The vice president has mm. been clear. And I think I was really clear just now that it is the administration's position. The president and vice president believe that teachers should be prioritized for vaccinations. And in 22 states, at least, and the District of Columbia, that's exactly what is happening. You know, uh, look. I'll try one last is... time. I'll try one last time. Does, okay, the president, does the president feel that the teachers have to be vaccinated in order for schools to, to open safely? Yes or no? The president believes that teachers should be prioritized for vaccination. His right. wife, Dr. Biden, the first lady, is a teacher. He knows the importance of teachers being in the classroom. The president and vice president also know, John, that teaching for many people is not just what they do. It is who they are. It is a calling. Me, uh... And teachers want to be in the classroom. Parents want students in the right. classroom. And we want to do so uh, safely and, and operating right. according to the science. All right. I'm not going to get a yes or no. Last states like Florida and California, um, California basically in lockdown and their numbers aren't that different from Florida. Well, good morning, Stephanie. Uh, look, there's so much of this virus that we think we understand, that we think we can predict that's just beyond a little bit beyond our explanation. What we do know is that the more careful people are, the more they mask and social distance and the quicker we vaccinate, the quicker it goes away and the less it spreads. But we have got to get better visibility into variants. We don't know what role they play, um, large events, et cetera. But, the, you know, this is, a, as we all have learned by this time, this is a virus that continues to surprise us. Um, it's very hard to predict. And, you know, all around the country, we've got to continue to do a better job. And I think, I think we are, but we're not done yet. But what does that look like? Because people are fatigued by this. Once again, zero accountability for any of the COVID lies that Biden's doing or he's doing. And he had a second one. And here are his responses. This is Governor Cuomo for basically doing worse than Trump. This is a horrendous situation. But I want you to have the facts because I don't want you to have more pain from this noise. All the information 
that the state put out about all the deaths, hospital deaths and nursing home deaths from day one. This is how many people died in hospitals. This is how many people died in nursing homes. Total deaths, the same number. Well, how many people died in a nursing home but were first in a hospital? How many people died in a hospital but who were first in a nursing home? How many people do you presume died after they left the hospital? How many people do you presume died after a nursing home? I understand many questions, but this information of total deaths was provided always. We get a request from the Department of Justice in August. With other Democratic governors only, by the way, nursing home deaths happen nationwide, Democratic states, Republican states. We get a request letter from the Department of Justice same day, just Democratic governors. Okay, I guess that was coincidental. I guess that wasn't political by the Trump Justice Department. We provided the Department of Justice with truthful information in our response. It is a lie to say any numbers were inaccurate. That is a lie. Total deaths were always reported to nursing homes and hospitals. New York State legislators requested information. Yes, they did. We said we would pause the state legislature's request because we gave DOJ precedence. True. We paused the state request and we told them that we paused the state request. They were told and they knew and we gave DOJ precedence. Yes, because that's how it works. Federal DOJ gets precedence. Well, some were offended that they weren't given precedence. I understand they are offended. DOJ takes precedence. I'm the former attorney general, a former assistant district attorney, former cabinet secretary, the federal DOJ takes precedence over a state legislator. That's true. They find it offensive. I'm sorry, but that is true. I've spoken to the legislative leaders, and we agree that we're in the midst of dealing with a real pandemic. We have a lot going on, and we have to put the politics aside and move forward and have a more constructive dialogue. But I said to them, I'm not going to allow people to lie to the people of New York without answering them, because I'm not going to allow the grief to be aggravated. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I deal, I have a very thick skin. I don't know if you can see it. I don't really care what people say about me. I get politics. I agreed to uh, this nasty business because I believe I can do good things. But I'm not going to let you do nasty and cruel things to New Yorkers. That goes against my oath, and that goes against who I am. Uh, I'm not going to let you lie to them.
Uh, it's cruel to lie to a person who's looking for closure on, a, on the death of a loved one. Uh, and not only was it cruel to the grieving families, it's cruel to the public health professionals who dedicated their lives to public health service. I have public health officials here who could be making millions of dollars in the private sector, millions. These are some of the best professionals you can find in this country. They are working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They don't deserve political attacks and unfounded, unscrupulous attacks. It was untrue, it was unfair. And also, you suggested the people of the state of New York that they're not getting the best guidance? That's a lie. And you do it with no information, and you do it with no credential, and you do it with partisan politics. New York follows the science and the data. New York has the best health minds in the country who are doing this. And they talk and advise with the best health minds in the world. Our health commissioner is Dr. Howard Zucker. I've worked with a lot of people, federal government, state government, private sector. He's a nationally respected medical professional. He is a doctor and he is a lawyer, which is an extraordinary combination. You don't see it often. Harvard, UPenn, Johns Hopkins. He's been in federal HHS, the World Health Organization, the National Institution of Health, and taught at Columbia and Yale. He's gone through Ebola, Zika, anthrax, bird flu, SARS, and more. You couldn't find a more qualified man to do this at this time than Dr. Zucker. So I'm not, not going to let New Yorkers be lied to. I'm not going to let you hurt New Yorkers by lying about what happened surrounding the death of a loved one. Uh, I see that as my job, and I'm going to do it aggressively, because you have no right to lie, and you have no right to hurt people. Uh, I don't care if it's your politics. You can't lie and cause pain to people who are innocent bystanders to all of this. Uh, so I'm going to take on the lies and the unscrupulous actors, especially when they cause pain and damage to New Yorkers. I should have done it before, and I should have done it more aggressively. Uh, there are facts. There are facts. And I've gone all through this terrible situation with the facts. And there are facts that I want nursing home families to know specifically. Because I think the facts will help resolve questions about how a loved one died. Remember what happened here. A loved one died in a hospital, in a nursing home. You didn't even get a chance to see them. You didn't get a chance to talk to them. Uh, being in a nurse, having a person in a nursing home is a terrible situation to begin with. That they need a level of care that you can't provide. Uh, and then you can't visit, 
you can't talk, and then you know that there's COVID in nursing homes, and they're vulnerable, and there's nothing you can do. The powerlessness that you have. And then they died. And you don't even have closure. There was no goodbye. There's no funeral. There's no hug. There's no kiss. I mean, it was a horrendous situation. It is a horrendous situation. You want to talk about the spring? 116 people died yesterday. 100 people will die today. Now understand in that bumper I fucking played, people were being bullied for fucking speaking up. They were being fucking bullied. He's a disgrace. Unapologetic Cuomo plays the victim. Cast more blame. Melts lie projectors. Coders hoke. Everybody's like, what the fuck? But what you should be doing on this, New York Dam Assemblyman, critical Andrew Cuomo, says the governor let him know he can destroy me. Governor Cuomo did not inform the legislature where they were prioritizing DOJ inquiries. Speaker Hesty already said he was not informed. Governor Cuomo said he can destroy me. New York Assemblyman alleges governor threatened him over nursing home scandal. That's Jake Tapper. Because it finally broke. Ron Kim. About Andrew Cuomo's cover response. Very damning. Watch. And it just, you saw it. It's just fucking horrible. About a, uh, where's the one? So many people have been bullied. New York State politicians report flooded inboxes of Cuomo stories. Kid you not, my text messages, my DMs, and my inbox are flooded with Cuomo stories. So many people have been bullied, mistreated, or intimidated by him. Alexandra, uh, that was Yi Lin No. Alexandra Boggy, the same. We are Alexander Boggy. We are not going to let Cuomo lie about what happened in nursing homes. Cuomo's lied repeatedly to New Yorkers. Cuomo says he's going to take us on. Sounds like another threat. He cannot help himself. That's what they're going to do. They're going to protect the damn. You know how huge this would be? And we found out Trump was doing it. Do you remember when Florida's numbers went up and then they found out it was all a lie that a lib had put it in there? It never even made the news. They fired the person. They were inflating the numbers so Democrats could look good for the election. Same thing. I mean, when you have real doctors saying, a guy got hit by a bus, but I was forced as the fucking uh, coroner to count it as a COVID because he also was COVID positive with asymptomatic. Those videos are everywhere. The media just didn't want to play it. Once they monetize this shit, this is what's going to happen. About a year too late, WAPO, Eric Wimple, CNN's Chris Cuomo is reminding us why conflict of interest poisons the news. That is now. Everybody in the world was saying, what the fuck? CNN's been chewed up on this. CNN. Uh, why reopening schools is so hard for the White House. Analysis. 
It's just so hard. No, it's not. And yet, you have articles like this. This is actually a liberal. Media struggle to explain why DeSantis is a villain delivering vaccines or threatening withhold them. Scandal. Florida Governor DeSantis accused of setting up poppin' COVID vaccine sites in GOP areas. Then you find out the reason why he's doing it after NBC, CBS, all these people breathlessly talk about it. It's because that's where elderly were. And he's prioritized how the CDC originally prioritized, that is, people that are more susceptible to disease. And then liberals got a hold of it and said, well, you have to be black, gay, three dicks. Selling donuts. I'm going to go back to my three-dick Martian. you got to be a three-dick Martian or you don't get the COVID vaccine. Mega Thread breaks down where all the COVID-19 money is going to go. House Democrats relief 591-page COVID relief plan that they plan to push through the chamber next week. Bill text. Manu Raju. Reporting. We're done. Not going to talk about it because they don't want you to know where this money's going. Oldfield Rando, they could have at least waited till I was done working out. Guy gets a fucking whiskey bottle. 300000 for COVID animal surveillance as guided by the World Organization for Animal Health. As god-awful as WHO is, can't imagine what a derp fest these folks will be. I was today uh, I was today years old when I learned what a socially disadvantaged farmer or rancher was. Farmers and ranchers have experienced barriers to service due to racial or ethnic prejudice. Anyway, we're going to pay off 120% of their debt and alleviate discriminatory barriers. Here we are again with this going to take farmers land and just give it to black people like we're, we like we're reconstruction. We're, we're going back to reconstruction. Because we haven't changed since slavery. <laughs> Fucking people. A cool billion for outreach program for the socially disadvantaged farmer and ranchers. If you want to host some conference and tell minority farmers how to overcome systemic racism, you's about to get paid. <laughs> $25 million for that. I love it. So oil field rando is his handle. If you've never followed him, he's really funny. $25 million for AG Secretary to spend on modernizing electronic services. Going to be a whole lot more folks on food stamps reckon we got to make the website prettier. Another $128.5 billion for the teachers union to pay with while they refuse to open schools. Add that to the $60 million sitting untouched. Them playgrounds better look like Disney World. I know it's not a funny subject, but you gotta laugh at this shit because this is this is COVID. Okay, forty billion more for the universities. Another forty billion more. Some of you remember when I dove into the CARES Act relief for them. I can't wait to see how preposterous the payouts to these billion-dollar endowment adults daycare centers are. Nineteen point two five million for Gulet Galadet. 35 million for Howard University and 91 million for outreach to student loan borrowers domestically and internationally. If you haven't figured out that the Biden administration don't give two fucking shits about you and they care about illegals and foreigners, 
You need to wake the fuck up. Another $100 million for the Institute of Educational Science and another $15 million for the Department of Education just for domestic and international funsies of some sort. $135 million for National Endowment for the Arts. $135 million for the National Endowment of the Humanities. Every fucking time with this $135 million. $200 million for the Institute of Museum and Library Services. $10 million for the preservation of Native American languages. I'm actually laughing, he says. Well, there it is. Raising the federal minimum wage. You knew this bullshit was coming. It's buried under subtitle B, Labor Manners. And the tipped wage. Why not totally use a relief bill, go completely up end, all these businesses trying to barely hang on. Perfectly on brand for these folks. $150 million for MSHA, OSHA, and all the other feds that come to your businesses to break your balls. Relief bill. $276 million for aging and disability services. $1 trillion. $444 million for supporting older Americans and other families. I think he fucked that up because it's only a $2 trillion bill. Direct payments, way too complicated. Got to funnel all this money through bureaucracies. $15 billion child care. No, I said that wrong. That's me. I just don't know math. $1 billion, $444 million. He's not the idiot I am. $15 billion child care and development block grant. Wowza. $4.5 billion to pay the power and gas bills for public housing. May not be enough considering how high this admin wants to make things. Another $852 million for the Corporation for National and Community Services. How many hundreds of millions did they get in the last bill? $73 million just for their administration cost. And $9 million for their Inspector General. $1 billion to tell people that the vaccine isn't going to turn them into a lizard person. <laughs> More taxpayer money headed over abroad. $750 million to be exact. Very cool to see while receiving zero relief while unemployed. Also another $500 million for the upgrading the CDC's public health surveillance capabilities. Ooh, they're going to spy on us. Ugh, thought I'd make it halfway through before I needed it, but it's time for bourbon. Think I'll just pour it into my protein shake. $250 million for strike teams that deploy to COVID hospitals. Sounds like they're going to smash through windows with MP5s and just start blasting. Oh, wow, this is precious. $100 million for EPA to address health outcome disparities for pollution and COVID pandemic. Critical race theory is a plague that has infected absolutely everything. $50 million for environmental justice and tackling the climate crisis. $50 million for the Clean Air Act. Hi, Leader McConnell. Biden asked you to tell him what to take out. Maybe you feckless turds can start here. $100 million for rural housing assistance. $750 million for Native American housing assistance. $10 billion homeowner assistance fund is going to pay for woos a lot of shit and run all the way to 2025. We're simply not a capitalist country anymore. Accept that. I don't know what to call it. Laugh my ass off. This behemoth has $40 million allocated for just administrative cost. 
Another CRT-driven $1.5 billion for businesses owned and controlled by socially and economically disadvantaged individuals. Normies, I love you, but you got to get your heads out your asses. Critical race theory isn't just some dumb working training. It's taking over everything. Another $1 billion for the same shit right after they're just rubbing it in our faces. $15 billion for airlines. Drum roll, please. Here comes the blue state bailout. $219,800,000,000 for states that drove themselves into the ground with onerous lockdowns, ridiculous pension programs, and unjustifiable government salaries. That's why it's got to be $2 trillion. No, By the way, no media is talking about this. $570,000,000 for emergency federal employment leave. The system take care of the cogs. The Government Accountability Office is getting $77 million to make sure all these slush funds and graphs are ethically dispersed. $1.25 billion for shuttered venue operators. Does this mean AMC is getting cash infusion? It cracks me up that the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway Development Corporation makes it all these bills. $1.5 million this time. Railroad bailout, $820 million to Northeast, $680 million to National Network, long-distance service restoration, $166 million. $30 billion for FTA grants, $30 ficking billion. $8 billion for airports, airports, half of what the airlines got. That shit better be clean as a whistle. $3 billion to bail out the airplane manufacturers. And his statement, sweet, sweet union money. The Democrats will get a piece through campaign contribution. What a system. No shit. That's where most of this ends back up. To their fucking goddamn election coffers. $28 billion for Railroad Retirement Board. Stimmy, stimmy, boom, boom. Biden checks of $1,400. All right, the rest is blah tax credits. Same crap as usual, just hit hyperspace with critical race theory discrimination. D.C. is straight trash. I'm going to finish my drink and read something less depressing. That's just the shit right there. That's just the shit. And if it wasn't for me following that dude, I wouldn't fucking know. Because nobody's going to report that grift. And then you have A.G. Hamilton touches M- torches MSC for unapologetically dishonest coverage of Cuomo versus DeSantis. I've still seen very few admissions that press overwhelmingly got COVID-19 coverage wrong. They reward optics over getting it right. They made a hero out of a governor that consistently got it wrong and a villain out of one that got the big stuff right. It wasn't just one issue. That was my frustration with both the Cuomo and DeSantis coverage. Cuomo has had at least 10 different scandals that have gone undercovered. DeSantis took arrows for fighting for and being right on nursing homes, beaches, and school reopening. Officials in Florida wanted to send patients back. DeSantis said no. And instead of ordering staff testing, when he opened beaches, giving people a safe outlet, he was accused of trying to kill people. Remember the dude on the beach, the Grim Reaper? He had to go to court against the union to get schools open, but he made it a priority. Meanwhile, Cuomo delayed lockdown, ordered patients to be sent to nursing homes while banning them from testing, wrong on ventilators, took a victory tour with people dying, imposed arbitrary restrictions, tried to blame Jews and targeted religious groups, manipulated data. Jesus Christ. Covered all of it. 
It would have been outrageous for the press to even suggest their response were comparable, much less that DeSantis failed and Cuomo succeeded. But that's the narrative they ran with for a year. And everyone knows why. Replies, they'll never admit it. I'm slowly coming to terms with the reality that it's not going to change either. Facts don't matter. Optics do. And the people who control the optics will never admit they're wrong. Here's the reality. November or January 6th never would have happened had the National Guard been mobilized. But they couldn't mobilize the National Guard because they spent a summer saying, if you mobilize the National Guard, you're the Grand Wizard of the KKK. Oh, that was Trump. Oh, you dispatch federal police. You're a KKK Nazi. As precincts fell, courthouses fell, city centers fell, whole cities fell. And when you get a scandal like Cuomo... And you see, they purposely didn't say anything because of optics. And then you get a scandal like Cruz. This is just Ted Cruz being Ted Cruz. Why does he keep getting elected? What does that tell you about Texans? Well, it tells me something rather disturbing as a guy who's lived all his adult life here. I mean, we keep electing these people that give us problems like what we've just experienced. We have conservatives in Texas who simply think that not just less government is better, but almost no government. And knowing Texas as well as you do, when we get past this, when the sun shines again, when things warm up and people are safe in their homes, hopefully, are Texans going to forget about this and just go right back to the way they were? I think that's the big, big important question, Stephanie. And what I'd like to believe is that this is a kind of seismic event that the COVID and the coronavirus have been for Donald Trump. I think that this may be the moment that has peeled back the covers on what conservatism is all about. Now, I'm not a Cruz guy, but Molly Hemingway sums it up. A Republican president, our corrupt media would be blaming him for Texas. We all know it. The privilege of being a Democrat president is that media protect him. Focus instead and say on a senator from that state. Which, once again, unless his ass is a lineman, I am a lineman, and Glenn Campbell's his ass up the fucking power pole, I don't know what a senator is going to do. Optics, bad. But unless he can re-rig power and get the solar and wind to work in the winter, I don't think we need them. And I remember how we covered a dam who actually was the reason called for lockdowns. And if you weren't a lockdown, you were a white supremacist. take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times and that um, when they said well we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time I trusted that 
as it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Now, I just had my hair washed. I don't wear a mask when I'm washing my hair. Do you wear a mask when you're washing your hair? I always have a mask. I always have a mask. For me, for the people I'm, I'm encountering, but for my family as well. But I don't wear it when I'm getting my hair washed. And that picture is when I just came out of the, the bowl of getting my hair washed. I think that, they owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology for setting up. Just like Cuomo, she blamed the salon. But as we started, we end this podcast because Texas, they are just evil people. They fucking hate you. And you get Martina Sirtis. I guess she's an actress. Don't get me wrong, my heart bleeds for the Texans are going through right now. But the mean girl in me says, you get the government you deserve, and they have voted Republican across the board for the last 20 years. Reply. Now do California. We've been suffering under Democrat rule for many years. Roll black, roll out, rolling blackouts, devastating wildfires, crippling taxes, growing homeless population. It could go on all day, but Texas has weather, and it's Republicans' fault. Chunk Unger. Only upside of Texas power outage is people like Joe Rogan, who were so proud to leave California and move to Texas, freezing their asses off. They said they wanted less government. Congrats. Mission accomplished. Hope you're not asking the government to come help you. Freedom. Freedom. <clears throat> Texas mayor resigns after telling residents desperate for power and heat, only the strong survive. Christopher Cuomo, resign or apologize and learn to become a better leader? Question mark. The entire world. Have you met your brother? WAPO Journal. This this is our media. This is why our media is not trusted. This is why nobody nobody looks to the Washington Post and New York Times for news. Unless you're a principal conservative. Never Trumper. You love that shit because you've been jerking off with Crisco for fucking four years because you hated Trump and his voters. The Ted Cruz scandal. Oh, yeah, I got my liberal tears mug. I love this thing. It's all beat up. Been fishing with it and everything. The Ted Cruz scandal had it all. The oversized canvas toad awaiting in a beach debut. The classic dad fleece half sip. The 6 a.m. scramble to book a return flight. The politician blaming his daughters. The police escort. The adorable puppy. The leaked text. Here's the big deal. Someone at American Airlines released this travel thing. That's probably bad. They camped out his house and said that he left his dog. He had a sitter. That was wrong. This was just over the fucking top. Because, hey, he's a bad dude. He's a Republican. And so few of them get caught fucking up. We gotta jump on them. But we didn't do it for the hundreds. I mean, this was a three-day fucking story. Nancy Pelosi gotta blame the salon, and we just moved on. Like, yeah, yeah. Fuck that salon. She's a Nazi. White supremacist. Probably Proud Boy. QAnon. To absurd things, because I had it, this is America, but I'm not going to do it.
Fuzzy Chimp, Justin Bargona. So it appears that Tucker's producer added googly eyes to AOC in this image. Let, let me put the image up. He's a media guy. L- look at the picture. Those are her fucking eyes. But that's how far. He deleted it because he realized he was a fucking idiot. But that's how far they'll go to protect a person who tried to explain it. The infrastructure failure in Texas are quite literally what happens when you don't pursue the Green New Deal. Weak on sweeping next-gen public infrastructure investments, little focus on equity so communities are left behind, climate deniers and leadership so they don't long prep for disaster. We need to help people now. Long-term, we must realize these are the consequences of inaction. Denver Riggleman. This is quite literally false. There are many factors that contributed to Texas' situation, most evident being a winter storm, things like cold and ice, and lack of preparation. Facts and analysts are the answer, not rhetoric. Breaking. Governor Abbott told WFAA that the supply of natural gas is becoming an issue. Natural gas is frozen in the pipeline and frozen in the rig, Abbott said. Could we have natural gas outages? The gas heats home, fuel power plants? Um, ERCOT has not been transparent about this. We expected the utilities would have winterized their equipment for something like this. They didn't. And Texas black swan blackout, everything went wrong at once. We're ordering an investigation into ERCOT. Yes, the snow-covered solar panels and frozen wind turbines would have been so much more effective by themselves. Politicians are using the widespread U.S. power outages as fodder in the debate over whether the government should back massive investments in clean energy and infrastructure. Democratic Congressman Alexander Ocasio-Cortez just posted this. Because, of course, why wouldn't she? It has nothing to do with it. Yeah, there's fuck-ups. But a congressman probably isn't going to fix it. Is he wrong? Yeah. I'm not saying he isn't. It comes down to everything with these people. If you're not... Megan McCain's soundbite is the perfect soundbite. Unless you're a Democrat, you have no protection from anything. Because our media spends all its time just coming up with this shit. White dietitians who endorse the Mediterranean diet are upholding white supremacy. This shit. Vox. This is a real article. In the late 18th century, ice skating clubs typically excluded women's Jews, people of color, and low-income people. Skating and privilege have long gone hand-in-hand in order for the sport to survive. This has to change. Skating. Ice skating is racist, you motherfuckers. Now, half us motherfuckers that are white, I can't ice skate. I've done it once in my life. It hurt like shit. My ankles are fucked up. I fell on my ass. Didn't like it. But yeah, white supremacist. The progress for fixing America figure skating is bleak. In order to be competitive with the Russians, who have dominated the sports by building elite state-sponsored academies to churn out Olympic contenders, the U.S. would have to dramatically alter the way it approaches both figure skating and youth sports in general, so that children beyond the most privileged could have a real shot as I spit a piece of Copenhagen. Figure skating has more or less always been this way. The skating that turned into figure skating over a couple of centuries really does have roots among elite white European men. 
explain Mary Louise Adams, a professor of kinesiology of Queen's University and author of Artistic Impression, Figure Skating, Masculinity, and the Limits of Sports, evolving in the UK as a popular amusement by the aristocrats in the late 18th century, skating clubs typically excluded women, Jews, people of color, and low-income people. The aesthetics of the sports itself developed in line with that Adam said. How can it be Vox that often is teetering on the verge, edge of bankruptcy? I just don't see how it's possible. Oh my God, nobody cares. I just watched a very PC, black-infused show. Called, what well, was a Dickens on T- TBS. Or FX. And the little black kids skated. You might want to go talk to them. Because everybody had local ponds. If you're talking figure skating, yeah. Downhill skiing, figure skating, the Serena Williams sisters. Every major athlete came from rich parents because they could go to the fancy schools. You don't hear a lot of young kids other than baseball that were dirt-ass poor or football who actually went somewhere. Those kind of sports are elitist sports. Most of us don't even have a fucking ice rink. There's no ice rink where I live. There's no ice rink in baseball. Fucking people. You just come up with new shit. Everything's racist. Got it. All right, let's do a uh, This is America just for shits and grins and close this pick out. Pig out. For the second time. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Teacher. Yay! 
I hooked up with my Uber driver while my boyfriend was passed out in the back seat. Yay! I fucked my ex's best friend and he still doesn't know. Yay! The school thinks my sugar daddy is my real dad because he signs me out every week. Yay! I had a crush on my teacher so I started dating his son so I could come over. Yay! I'm of the opinion that what we saw yesterday was very much by design, that we did have agent provocateurs, mm. and I'm of the opinion that you're one of them. Interesting. Really interesting on that. Why do you think I'm one of them? Just because you're your father is. Your father's psyops, man. So you've met my dad, okay? So... Kind of further elaborates my point. Let me just explain to you, because I know people are going to storm the Capitol. I'm on chats, I'm on underground chats, like, I have my resources, I have my resources. There's not me, but I have people, right? And I'm not saying some fucking pop type shit. I'm saying my people in my organization, Surgeons USA, was civil rights group that is Black Lives Matter, or if you want to label it Antifa, because Trump wants to label it Antifa, but I label myself as a Surgeons USA, but for people's context, right? Um, yeah, they, they they are in chats. They can they can easily give me information on what's going on and same with everybody else. But it's a collective of people. You can disassociate yourself. I have John Sullivan, I have Jaden X. That separates I have Insurgents USA, civil rights organization. So it separates my I separate my identity based on the specific role that I'm playing, right? Is there really a separation? There is a separation. There is a separation for sure because I can't I can't be in a crowd full of Trump supporters and say fuck the police or 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 say the things that I would during my regular activism. I term that Biden's America. Those are all things I found on the internet. A school board meeting, a bunch of girls bragging about fucking their teachers, a guy getting beat down in Flatbush with a bat. No cops around. But, you know, hey, there's no crime spree. If you're bringing up crime spree, you're fucking racist. And you end on that video. That's been on the internet for months. But it was Trump people on January 6th. Just Trump. It's all Trump's fault. At any time in my life, I can't find one moment where I have trusted institutions like the government the FBI, the media, less. Because every time we turn around, they're just lying. Non-stop lying. 
So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Send comments at foppodcast.com. You get the video and audio at foppodcast.com. You can contact me at foppodcast.com. Please disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. Go away from Google. Walk away from Never Trump or walk towards the DNC. Your choices. And make sure you share what's in that fucking COVID bill. Because you're getting 1400 bucks, and they act like you can live on that for four months while they're paying out the people that help them fortify an election. It says everything. I hopefully will get another show out Wednesday or Thursday. I might just probably shoot for Friday. Um, I got doctor's appointment Tuesday. Wednesday I'm going fishing because it's 60 fucking degrees. Thursday the wife might want to junk. So it's probably going to be the 25th because I think she has a hair appointment. So we'll look at the 25th as being our last February podcast. And until then, thanks for listening and take care.